Welcome to Boston 2022. I just got to start off by saying what a joy it is to be back in person. Um, I'm Varun Sriram with UCAN. Again, thank you guys so much for spending some of your Boston Marathon weekend with us. Um, I just wanted to take a few brief minutes to share a little bit of the story behind UCAN for those of you that may not be entirely familiar with it. So UCAN, you know, we launched here at the Boston Marathon 10 years ago and what UCAN was originally developed for, we have a unique carbohydrate, a unique energy source in our product, and it was originally developed for our founder's son, Jonah, who suffers from a very rare blood sugar disease where he basically has to be fed every two hours to maintain stable energy. Now, through years and years of research, his parents, they were looking for an energy solution that would allow Jonah to maintain even energy levels for hours. Um, kids with this condition were previously waking up every two hours in the middle of the night to be fed. So they ultimately found a cooking process that we apply to starch that causes it to break down a lot more slowly and steadily. So instead of giving you a quick jolt of energy like we might be used to in a lot of the sugary products and sugary uh, foods out there, the UCAN, it's designed to give you this really slow and stable release of energy because of this unique starch that was originally developed as a medical food. Now, fast forward many years later and we have the top marathon runners in the world utilizing this product. You'll hear from some of them today. We have thousands of everyday runners um, who are using UCAN and it really comes back to this unique way of delivering energy. To be able to fuel your training, to give you the carbohydrates and the energy you need, but without dumping your body with a lot of sugar. So that's the backstory behind UCAN. Um, Mev, who you'll hear from today, you know, Mev, uh, 10 years ago when we launched the company in Boston, he was the sort of the face of UCAN, the first athlete to be using it, and continues to be a great ambassador um, for UCAN and for the company today. But what's been exciting is, you know, over the years, it started with Meb, but you know, Sarah Hall, um, who was supposed to be here in Boston, unfortunately had to pull out because of an injury. She's been a long time UCAN user. You're gonna hear from Emily uh, Sisson and Emma Bates, two of the top uh, US distance runners in the country. They're gonna be talking about their use of UCAN. So it's really spread beyond Meb, but then even more exciting, you know, we have people like Angie Spencer, our host, who's gonna talk about her personal experience using UCAN, Tommy Runs, a first-time Boston Marathoner. So like I mentioned, it's, it's really spanned the gamut, you know, not just for your elite of elite runners, but for anybody that's looking for a more effective way to fuel. And what's really been exciting over the last couple of years, you know, we've been, we've been hard at work, like I mentioned, we haven't been at events, but one of the biggest questions I was always asked from runners who we'd run into at an expo is, when are you guys gonna make a gel? When are you gonna make a gel? I could, I could probably, you know, hundreds of times over the years. That was the, the key question people would come up to us. And March 2021, you know, we're proud to say we finally did come out with the first UCAN gel, UCAN Edge, which you see right over here. And everybody who's attending today, if you haven't picked up your sample pack, you'll get a chance to try it. This has really been a game changer in terms of delivering all the benefits of UCAN that I've been talking about, but doing it in a way that's portable and you can consume on the go. So UCAN Edge, we're super excited about that. It was named uh, best food to eat during a run by Runner's World for 2022. So definitely encourage all of you guys to give that a try for your next training cycle. With that said, I'd like to introduce you guys to our two wonderful hosts for today. So we're gonna get this thing started. First up is Angie Spencer. Angie is the host of the Marathon Training Academy podcast. She's run 50 marathons in 50 states. She's an RRCA certified running coach. Give it up for Angie Spencer. And joining Angie as our co-host today, she is a U.S. Olympian from 2004, a sub-three-hour marathoner. You've seen her on a lot of your favorite 
running event TV broadcast. She's the host of the C. Tolly Run podcast. Give it up for Carrie Tollefson. <laughs> Carrie and Angie, take it away. Thanks, Farin. Well, we're really excited to have you all here today. And I get to introduce Emma Bates. She is a professional runner who is based in Boulder, Colorado. She trains with Team Boss. Among her many running accomplishments, she was the 2018 U.S. Women's Marathon Champion. She finished second at the Chicago Marathon 2021 with a personal best of 2.24.20. And she is currently preparing for the World Championships this summer. So please welcome Emma Bates. Hey, Emma. <laughs> and she's from Minnesota, don't you know? <laughs> All right, I get the pleasure of introducing Emily Sisson. Emily is a US Olympian. She is a world championship finalist. She's a USATF champion. She's an NCAA champion. She's run 107 for the half marathon and 223 for the full marathon. She runs professionally for New Balance and is also one of the newest members to the UCAN family. Everybody welcomes Emily Sisson. <laughs> I'm so happy to introduce Tommy Runs. He is a sober, vegan, self-proclaimed runtrepreneur who lives outside of Detroit, Michigan. Tommy is a 248 marathoner. He's host of the Run, Eat, Sleep show and co-host of the PR Project. And he's running the marathon for the first time on Monday. So please welcome Tommy Runs. All right, last but not least, he's an Olympic medalist. He is a Boston Marathon champion. He's a New York City Marathon champion, a USATF champion, an NCAA champion, a longtime member of the UCAN family. He's a girl dad <laughs> times three. Let's welcome the one and only Meb Kafleski. So I know we're all really excited to be here in Boston, like Varen said, especially since Boston is back at full capacity and it's back on its normal date. Um, and so we're just really excited that we can be here. I think the energy is really palpable um, when you're walking around Boston, also at the expo. So I'm interested in hearing from our panelists about how you've all handled the last couple of years. It's, there's been a lot of uncertainty, a lot of challenges. So what mindset changes and strategies have been helpful in navigating just what we've all been going through? Um, Meb, would you like to start? Thank you, Angie. It's great to be here. Thank you, UCAM, for allowing us to be here. Yeah, the last couple of years have been very challenging for everybody, but uh, kind of puts life in perspective. You know, it's like I, I call it like you've been injured and you got to come back, so you don't take things for granted. And I'm pretty sure you guys know some people that has... We're with us, they're no longer with us, so it makes me appreciate the life that we have. So it's a celebration. When you go for a run, you're like, okay, I'm excited to have this opportunity because I know many others can. So for me to be able to spend more time with my wife and kids, and you know, I live in Tampa, Florida, and I've been able to be able to just kind of go for a walk or run, and you know, Florida's been pretty open about COVID. Uh, they've been playing a lot of soccer and things like that, but I know also in California where I was raised and lived there for many times, cousins and uncles and others that didn't have those uh, flexibility that I had. So, 
you just be mindful, you, be, you know, you just do it for yourself and for others, the health. So you get to learn a lot about yourself and your family and surrounding, and, and a lot of people are starting to walk and exercise. So that's something really positive that kind of put together in the last couple of years. Tommy, how about you? Talk about the challenges the last couple of years, how it's affected you, and kind of what direction you've been going with it. Sure. Um, Michigan was much more closed down than Florida, for sure. So um, definitely had to learn how to just live in the moment more. I mean, that last couple of years definitely taught us to uh, kind of slow down and just uh, take one day at a time because, you know, nothing was for sure. Um, so I really just took a step back and thought about where I wanted to go with things, where I wanted to go with running. So it was more of a, um, a personal check to say, like, you know, don't get too far ahead of yourself. Just enjoy where you are because a lot of times running, we get so caught up in, like, the next thing. You're like, what's the next PR? What's the next race? And all that stuff it made you kind of slow down and say, hey, I, I like running for this reason, and you just stick to it. Emily, can you chime in? Yeah, I, I mean, as someone who always likes having a plan and like a goal to chase, I found the beginning of the pandemic pretty tough um, when all the races were wiped from the schedule. So for me, it made me kind of more appreciative of just like being able to go for a run and having that sense of normalcy when everything else was just so up in the air. Like, living day by day and in the moment because you couldn't really plan too far ahead. And even now, um, I got COVID like three weeks ago, and so I can't really think too far ahead or plan too far ahead. I'm just kind of focusing on, okay, how's my body feeling? What, just listening to that and not really getting ahead of myself has been kind of just the theme of the past two years. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think a lot of us who have had COVID realize that it really can knock you on your your butt in a way and you just really have to listen to your body and as runners that's one thing that we always preach um, because you can't get the best out of yourself unless you take care of yourself. Um, Emma, can you talk about the last couple of years and how it's been for you? Yeah, the last couple of years have been very enlightening. I thought I was an introvert until the pandemic happened and I realized that I actually really like being around people and I love just the energy that they all bring and so it just made me appreciate just like my my support system and my family and my friends so much more and just really folding myself into the relationships that I had and um, just grown in that way and just like enjoying every single moment because you know our lives are so finite so we really need to like just appreciate every single moment and just really hold each other close. Well, I'm going to send it back down this way and start with you, Emma. A lot of people, how many of you guys are training partners? How many of you have training partners that are here in the room? Um, Emma, you switched groups and now you are training in Boulder. And just talk about, and we want to go through all of you, but we want to talk about your new training situation and what it's like to have these amazing world-class athletes right around you all the time. Yeah, I was living in Boise before I moved to Boulder, and I had a great support system with my friends and everything. They all worked full time, and so it was just kind of hard to um, relate in the sense of, like, I had these really big goals and making teams, and they just want to go out for fun, which I love. Um, but I, I really created a balance when I was in Boise with that, with, with having fun and just, like, really enjoying every single day. And so I was a little bit nervous about joining a really good team, especially a female team of, like, so many Olympians. And so I was really scared going into that team because I thought I was going to be really rigid and really serious. And um, that's just how I viewed, like, all professional runners at that time. And when I stepped into that team, it was just, it was the, 
complete opposite of what I thought. We're all such good friends and we all enjoy each other's company. And I have never felt so supportive in my life. Like just going to the Chicago Marathon, they all biked with me and cheered me on that entire way. And just feeling that love and that appreciation just because they know how hard I work to, to get myself to that point. And um, I think I've created a lot of marathon fans in just my teammates because they had never gone to a marathon before. And seeing just the joy and excitement on everybody's faces and just like how much everybody in the course like puts into that program into into just like accomplishing their goals is something that they never got to see so I brought that to them and into, into their lives and so they appreciate you know just like you guys so much more and I have such a love for the marathon and just like the atmosphere that everybody brings to it and so I'm, I'm really glad that I could share that with my, my te new teammates yeah. yeah if you guys don't follow her on Instagram you need to because they do have a lot of fun um, Emily, you have a little different situation. You do train with Molly Huddle a little bit, but you train a lot with your husband, yeah. who is super nice. And just, he also is a guy that really studies the mind and how to get your mind right for this type of training and these races that we do. So talk about your training environment and what it's like to have your husband out there all the time, but also helping you get mentally ready for races. Yeah, so my husband, he's actually just started uh, his PhD, um, so he's a mental health counselor. And we're, I feel like we're the perfect balance because he's just very, just he has such a good perspective all the time, very laid back, very easygoing, and I feel like I just am so driven <laughs> that like he kind of just uh, can redirect that sometimes and be the fun, um, he also takes it seriously, but just this fun, easygoing presence that I just think has helped with the longevity of my career because, I mean, I take my work seriously, but at the same time, like, it is important to step back and realize like running's not like, especially workout days, it's not the be all end all. It's just like, just another day. And um, he's just a constant reminder for me. Um, and so I'm really lucky to have him. He does all my workouts with me. He helps pace my workouts. He helps keep them fun. I love traveling with him to races because it's just like, I feel like I'm just traveling with like my best friend. Yeah, he keeps things light. Mm -hmm. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Tommy, you definitely keep things light. Mm -hmm. You have some fun and we love watching Tommy on Instagram and hearing you on your podcast and all these fun things, but it hasn't always been fun and you're new to this sport. So kind of just give us a little bit more of your background and you're running Boston for the first time. So we got to hear about what's going on. Yeah. I just got an ovation. Um, so I, I started in 2000. Uh, well, I always have to start for me. I start if someone says when you start running, I really look back to uh, the day I chose to go sober. Um, and, drop, and drop alcohol and anything else. Um, so uh, that, that was uh, January 11, 2017. Um, and then I just kind of, with this newfound energy and, and kind of like vigor for life, I started to go to the gym and then that led to running, or led to veganism eventually in 2018. And then I started running in like May of 2018. Um, and then I just kind of applied that like I say like the alcoholic tendency to like kind of just keep going and do and do uh, and I just kind of flipped that on its, on its head and just continued to use that same energy for positive and it just kind of led into my running so I just continued to push and um, and then it just kept pushing and ran my first marathon in 2019 uh, and then qualified for Boston in um, April of 2021 um, but that's my journey I've just been just going after it and um, but I do think it's also I know you didn't ask me but I think it's really important for us uh, to have 
people around us that resonate with what we're trying to do. And I think that's why I like running so much, because no matter if you're a slower runner or faster runner, whatever it is, we all go through that suffer fest together. Um, we all start at the same finish line, start line and then hope to finish in the same spot. So I love that, that running does that for us. Um, that's why me and Mabra are so cool. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's my thing. I also love that there was a fire alarm the other night. There was. And what did you grab? So uh, the fire alarm went off at 12.30, uh, and I grabbed um, my kit for a race day, <laughs> my, my work laptop, because I just didn't want to have to deal with that problem, and my keys so I could sit in the car. And know? I thought your shoes. Oh, did you have your shoes on? Yeah, no, the, the race kit's with the shoes. Oh, okay. you know, that's the key. You travel with a, your carry-on has to have uh -huh. your, your race kit uh -huh. and your shoes in it, because I need this to happen. So. so now you know if the fire alarm goes off tonight, or any time in your life, your race kit, including your shoes, and maybe your work laptop. I don't know. I might have oh, no. left that. First, though, the you can packs went in. Oh, you can for sure. Yes. That's yes, for sure. All right, Meb. So I'm going to transition now because are you really retired? Yeah. <laughs> because the last time we had a live... I ate ice cream like a few days ago. You know, I would have never done that before. <laughs> well, when we had our last live podcast in Atlanta at the trials, Yes, that day we knew you were not going to run the trials, but not too long before that, you still kind of had, like you were thinking about it. So what's the training like now? Give us a little update on what you're doing and, and maybe what it's like to win the Boston Marathon. <laughs> it is always an honor to be able to run because for me, it started when I was in passion when I was in seventh grade to get an A in the class and a t-shirt and the PE teacher, Duke Lord, says he's going to go to the Olympics after running 520 miles. That's when I realized my God-given talent. And even over the years, I love being in the training group and, you know, Mammoth Track Club or Run USA. And over the years, I just kept working hard. And when I didn't have a sponsor, I said, I'll still run for free because that's how much I love it. And I went eight months without a shoe contract in 2011. And, but I believe in myself. I believe in my team and worked hard. And... And then to run is still every day now. I mean, I love it. It's, uh, people are surprised. You still run every day. I'm like, if I'm healthy, absolutely, I'm running every day. And if I have a little caffeine, tightness, or other things, I'll take a day off. Or sometimes I take two weeks off, just make sure nothing is in the way. But then I do cross training. So I run four to six miles a day, at least five days a week. And then I go sometimes seven days a week. And sometimes I take the girls to soccer practices, and I'm running around the soccer fields. <laughs> And, You're that dad. And the parent, no, no, I'm not that fast, but the parents of the other kids think I'm that fast. I'm like, I'm going twice as slower than I did in the races. <laughs> so, but at the same time, they just see me running a couple laps a few times. It's like, uh, you, you're making that look, look bad. I'm like, it's not the intention. It's not the intention, you know? But I still enjoy it. And I think my passion was, you know, to run, to be the best in the high school and NCAAs and then professionally and then hopefully win a medal for our country and win New York and Boston were always my goal. And I contemplated many occasions that I was going to retire, but something internally told me that, you know, you got to keep going. And to win the Boston Marathon in 20, you know, 2014, I was in 2013. How many of you guys know where you were April 15, 2013? I'm pretty sure most people know where exactly where they were. I was here. I left five minutes prior to the bombing after watching about four hours at the grandstand. But then Bonnie Ford that evening asked me, are you going to come back next year or are you going to bring your family or are you scared? I said, 
I hope to be healthy enough to win it for the people. So I made that goal that evening for me, and for 365 days, I was working hard, made sure. Whenever you travel, the Boston Strong metaphor was there. Everybody wearing a hat or a shirt and a sweater and things like that. I'm like, I'm doing it for a reason. I'm doing it for a purpose. And then when the Red Sox won it, put the, finish, the World Series trophy at the finish line, I said, I want to do that for the runners on pitchers day. I was getting massaged that day, that evening when I was watching Sports Center, and I'm like, Gary, I want to do that for on pitchers day for, for the runners. And my dream came true on April 21st, 2014. And the last thing I told my coach, you know, first time, how many first time are Boston here besides Tommy? Yeah, so be patient. You know, marathon's about patience. Boston is, see if you can get an exam about test about patience. You gotta hold back and be within yourself. And I tell the last thing I told Coach Larson is like, don't worry, you're not gonna see me in the lead until the last 5K. <laughs> uh, five miles into the race when the Kenyans and the Ethiopians were trying to slow down the race, I said I came with, with the goal to win top three or personal best. If I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna put it up there. And it was so motivating because so many people came out on that year to, not to just for running, but to support the city. And street, on the streets, there was riding in Boston Strong, they have people hiring posters. I got motivated, I just kept pushing and pushing. And you know, about 17, 18 miles into the race, people were getting excited, they're doing the waves, and then doing the chanting USA. I started joining them, USA, USA. I'm like, concentrate on the race. You can do that later if you like to. <laughs> And, you know, I had a big lead that I, that I knew, but it got shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And with about, you know, two miles to go, I feel like throwing up. But I couldn't throw up, so I have a picture holding my, kind of swallow my own vomit, I guess. <laughs> Come on, you would do it if you had to win the Boston Marathon. <laughs> so, and then with a mile, mile to go, it was literally six seconds away. And there was, I said, you know what, if he was feeling this good, he would be next to me, so he must be hurting. So I'm willing to hurt a little bit more than he is. And I had the victim's names on my bib to draw inspiration. I used the crowd, and then the final turn that is right on Hartford, I said, my finish line is the next corner. Sprint as hard as you can, and hopefully by the time he turns, the gap will look bigger. And I think it worked. And then coming on boss and left turn, I just crossed myself. God, give me the strength of the energy of the people and all. The I used to do that, a lot of visualization in training. So whenever there I see deers and two cars and mammoth legs, I'm like, God, help me win this race. And so I'll do the cross, so rehearse visualization. And to be able to just lead the 36,000 people who want to own the streets of Boylston and the streets of Boston, it gave me a great honor to be the first American to win it in 31 years. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta just have you break that down a little bit because I don't think I've, out of all the articles I've read and you know, visited with you about your race that day, you said you needed to win that race from, you needed to win your race at Hereford. Like you, that's where you wanted to make that move and get in, was it get some distance on him? What happened? Yeah, so basically, Governor, it was a one sign with a 1K to go. I'm like, I know the Sutko, everybody knows what the Sutko sign is. I'm like, okay, I got one mile to go. And then I said, okay. And then I saw the 1K to go. I'm like, we Americans don't like to have the 1K. We like the mile. Why do they have to have that sign? <laughs> so I just kind of like, okay, downhill, lean forward, use gravity, up the hill, and then go short stride. But now the only turn that is, I mean, I was looking back. If you haven't seen the race, you should check it out. There's two, three minutes of it. I was looking back so many times. But looking back is not a bad thing. It can save you winning a title because you got to be able to be. What I was looking for was that gap still the same or bigger. So that's what I'm engaging for. So when I made the ride on, on, um, on Hartford, I just said, I just took the tangent like across just sprint as hard as you can. Hopefully, you can 
make the gap a little bit bigger. Hopefully, he'll get discouraged and mm-hmm. kind of hopefully I could enjoy on boss. And then the police were escorting me. So if I pick it up, they're going to pick it up. If I slow down, they're going to slow down. So I just, just keep picking it up, picking it up, use them as a pacer. And what a great honor to be able to just do the cross and chant USA, USA. It was, it was amazing. It's the most meaningful victory in my career. And I feel blessed to be able to pull it off all of us. That's amazing. I love that. Little tidbits of the champion. Um, somebody else that's been a champion here, Angie. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question before you ask the next one. You are running your third, and it's awesome to run one Boston, but now you're getting ready for your third. So talk about what your goal is for on Monday. Well, I will say that my road to Boston was not necessarily easy. Um, I didn't qualify for the first time until my 25th marathon. So if you feel like you know, you're not getting your qualifying time and it's taking longer than you wanted, don't give up hope um, because it is possible if you just keep being consistent and putting the work in. Um, and then I didn't qualify for the second time till like my 53rd marathon. So you know, it's like not one of those things that's, thing that's ever guaranteed. You have to keep putting in the work. Um, so with the Boston course, I mean, I think everyone here you know, hears about the the Newton Hills, and they're definitely a challenge, but I think the first 15 miles, what you do in those first 15 miles are also important because there's a lot of small hills in Boston and a lot of significant downhills, and if you can just stay relaxed and steady those first 15 miles, don't redline it, then you'll get to the Newton Hills and you'll be able to tackle them and be strong. But also don't blow yourself up on the hills because you still have a few miles afterward. (laughs) Um, So it is kind of a a course that you have to be a little bit careful with because there's so much excitement and energy like Meb was talking about. You know, some of those sections, you can just like start sprinting because there is so much coming from the crowds, from other runners and just all the inspiration around you. Um, But I will say that when it starts to get hard, when it starts to hurt, make sure you smile because it's going to help you mentally and physically and you may encourage other runners around you. So, you know, if you see people out there with like these maniacal smiles on their face, they're probably hurting, but they're they're helping themselves. (laughs) Um, And I'm coming off a hamstring injury. I did run Boston back in October of last year and it was a tough race. So I've been doing a lot of rehab since then, and so I really don't know what I'm capable of on Monday, but I plan on taking my own advice and just running as strong as possible, and I just want to um, give it my very best and cross that finish line with a smile on my face. So, and we'll see whatever the time is, however it shakes out, I'll be happy. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Matt, how about you? How about some tidbits on the race, the race course or maybe some strategies going in for these athletes that are racing on Monday? You know, Boston is probably one of the toughest course, and if you train in the hills, you're going to be okay, but there's some downhills where the crowd and your momentum is going to take you, and sometimes doing the first time, some people are doing the 10th time, some people are doing the 50th marathon, so just got to run your own race. I think, for me, I think Boston 2014 is the only race that I ran my own race, because usually you run with competitors, they make a move, you want to cover the move, you get you out of the comfort zone. So you just got to be patient. I think it's very narrow road at the beginning, downhill. And I made those mistakes, you know, 2006 is probably the fittest I've ever been for the Boston Marathon, not in 2014, but I made a mistake. And I went out too fast, and I said, this looks great, this is not too bad. And then, you know, my uh, friend told me, don't run for, faster than 450 for going down. You know, just pace yourself. I was running 448, 450, 446. Per mile, not for two, the entire mile, marathon. Per mile. Two, three seconds. And then it adds up, though. Two, three seconds add up, add up. And then by the halfway point, I just said uh, I was 
It's my, what I do for a living, 102.45, and I said, this is gonna be a great day, or it's gonna be a long day. <laughs> Boy, was it a long day. <laughs> but thankfully, I was wearing that USA jersey, and you know, I ended up running 107 the second half, and it was really bad, but at the same, people come out, support you, run USA, 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 and encourage you to go, because your mind is telling you, your, your mind says go, but your body says, there's no way I can go any more faster, but the crowd are supporting you. Yeah, you just hang in there, get the best you can, and you finish as strong as you can. And then I know the splits that I'm talking about is tremendously fast, but God-given talent and hard work all comes together, but it makes you realize what am I able to do if I can pace myself. Coach Larson, I always believed that if we can be patient, I can run really fast than what I ran when I was t almost 39 years old. But I believe that when I was almost eight, nine years ago. So you have to be able to just discipline yourself. Tomorrow is an exam, I mean, Monday is an exam. It's a fun example because you're ready, you're here, you do one of the best you can, and if you can just apply the small things, it's gonna help you come to cross the finish line, conquer the hills, and finish strong. But don't, you make so much sacrifice that you don't wanna lose being impatient. Be patient and work your way up to the, after the 17, 17, 17, 18 miles, and then I think if you do that, you're gonna have a great experience. Tommy, you said yesterday, can I share? Your you don't want time. tips from me for the first? I do want tips from you, yes. <laughs> but you told me your time goal yesterday. Can I share it? Or is that like yeah, sure. on the deal? Okay. So he said 240, sub 243. Now that, yeah. So that would be a PB by? Uh, like five minutes. Five minutes. Okay. So for those of you wanting to PB, PB tomorrow or on, on Monday, Tommy, like, let's hear your tidbits, your advice. I know you're newer to the sport, but clearly you know how to run. And what, you know, going into the race, what are you doing thinking about a time? And what are you trying to, to accomplish? How are you going to accomplish that? Um, well, for, for me, I try not to think about it too much until maybe Sunday, because I think, like, I mean... Until I just like, asked I, you I that in front to, of all these yeah. people. Thank you so much for Sorry. that. Um, no, I, <laughs> I think that I, I'm going to... I try to approach it at, You know, I trained for this whole time for a specific pace. Uh, to get comfortable with that said pace or pace range. So I plan on just going and, and running that race or that pace until I feel like I've, worst case, hopefully worst case scenario in the races that I've done so far, which is so many I've done too so far, um, that I try my best to just stay at that pace, worst case scenario, all the way through to the end and just coast. And then it, towards the end, if you feel like you feel good still and you have some more juice or whatever, or you you know, grab your you can at the right moment, <laughs> yep, yep. Um, then you can close out a little bit faster, you know? Um, that's, so that's my goal, and I've listened to everyone. I've, I've listened to Meb's um, podcast and interviews, um, and I've asked people that have run mar the, this marathon before as much information as I can get from it. Mm -hmm. um, and then just go out there, and hopefully, like you said, this is an exam, but hopefully it's a fun exam, and it just shows what the, the work that's been done. Um, and I'll just try to stay as tough as possible and listen, relax, and have fun somehow in there, you know? Yeah. Um, and then at least look back and, and know that I did it and had some fun and still hit my goal. That's, that's mm -hmm. the point of all this. But um, my main goal was to get here, so I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. And when I start that line, I, th I feel like a, a winner at that point. But then I hope to you know, do the, the victory lap to get to the finish line. I love it. That's why Boston is known as the People Olympics, right? Like you guys are here. You're here and you're going to get to do it. Speaking of the Olympics and the World Championships, so this lady right here has competed at the Olympic Games. This lady right here, Emma Bates, is going to be running the World Championships this summer in the marathon for the U.S. So 
because a lot of people in the crowd and racing here feel like this is their huge moment, and it is. I mean, this is a huge race for them, but you guys are getting ready for some big moments as well. How do you guys both mentally prepare yourselves for the, you know, how do you guys calm yourself? How do you get fired up in those last 24, 48 hours before a big, big race? So there's a lot of nervous energy um, leading into any race, but I also get really nervous going into every workout that I do. You know, there, there's so much like riding on certain, you know, workouts that we face and, you know, just trying to get mentally just like ready for a marathon. So my biggest thing that I've told myself and my coach has told me, Joe Bossard, is make it as easy as possible. And so with the marathon, you have to be so patient. You know, we get after it a little too soon and you pay the price. I think we've, if you ran a marathon, you've been there. <laughs> Trust me, it's not fun. Um, so I just try to go into every single rep, every single mile, every single step of my training and just mentally say to myself, make it as easy as possible. And no workout's easy, no race is easy, but that just means to relax, like just to stop forcing it and just really get into your zone and just try to be where you are right now. Just be so in the moment and just listen to your body and know that what you need to do is, is just, you know, just focus on your breathing and focus on your gait and your, your stride and your arms. I like to break it down into even just like if I'm having a really hard time during a race, I try to break it into miles, and if that's too hard for me, too hard to focus and too hard to like think that far ahead, then I break it down into, oh, just get to that next trash can or just get to that next you know, person on the side of the road and just focusing on like little things during the race. And just knowing how I've approached each race has really calmed me beforehand. So just kind of like mentally preparing and kind of running through like if you've done the Boston Marathon before, where was a point where you really enjoyed that time? When, when did you smile? When did you see your family? When did you realize that this is why I do this? This is why I have so much fun doing this and just kind of bring yourself back into that moment because there's going to be really hard times and it's going to hurt. But we do this because we love it and we do it because, you know, of all the relationships that we gain from it and all the, the joy and the excitement of accomplishing goals. So just focus on those things and that just brings me back into like just a calm, centered uh, sense of who I am and why, why I'm here. You use a lot of mantras. Yes. <laughs> through practice and in your races. Yes, always. Yeah. Emily, how about you? Um, so handling pressure, handling... Just like, a 24 to 48 hours before so these guys can, you know, learn from the yeah. best. So uh, one of the perks of having uh, a mentor like Molly Huddle is often she'll say things in front of me that she's not trying to be inspirational, but it, I, it's like a nugget of wisdom. And I remember her once making a comment, and I hope she doesn't mind me quoting her, but she said she likes to treat workouts like races and races like workouts. And I took that as when you're going into a race, don't build it up in your head as to this big thing that you're not prepared for. You've done all the work, you've done, you put in the miles, you put in the workouts, and uh, you're prepared for it. So have confidence in yourself and don't psych yourself out beforehand by making it bigger than it is because you're ready, you're prepared, you've done everything. And um, kind of going along with that, when I have a big race, like an Olympic trials or something where there's a lot on the line, what I like to do to handle pressure, because I don't really feel external pressure very often, but I do put a lot of pressure on myself. When it comes to my work, I can definitely be more of a perfectionist. I'm not like that in my everyday life, but with running I am. And so what I like to do to help um, manage that 
is I, I think about my effort and I think about the effort I put into that buildup and the effort I put in to all the workouts and to get myself to the line prepared. And I know I have a lot of confidence that I work really hard and that I give the best effort I can. So then at the end of the day, however a race unfolds, how it goes, I can sleep well at night because I know I, know I put forth my best effort. And I think that's kind of a big like, mental shift I had a few years ago, is not thinking so much about the outcome as much as I thought about the effort that I put in. Um, and even on the start line of the Olympic trials in 2021 on the track, I remember like walking onto the start line thinking like, I'm proud of that buildup. I wouldn't change a thing with what I did, any decision I made, and I'm going to go give it my all. And however that ends up on the day, like I can sleep at night. So um, that's how I handle the pressure I put on myself. Well, we want to turn our attention to fueling because, of course, we're so grateful for UCAN putting together this event and these awesome panelists here. And any endurance athlete knows that the whole fueling equation can be really tricky because, wow, sometimes the gastrointestinal system just gets very angry. And I know I started using UCAN nine years ago when basically my system just started rejecting all traditional fueling products. And by mile 16, when your gut is just your major enemy, <laughs> things get really rough. I mean, a marathon is hard as it is, but when your fueling is going downhill. Um, so I actually started using UCAN the first time during a marathon, and I haven't looked back ever since. Um, Carrie, you've been a long time UCAN user as well. I want to talk to all the panelists, but also you about what your experience has been like with UCAN, how you use it in training, daily life, races, all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah, I was a 1500 meter 5k runner, so I didn't use a ton of products until I got done with my professional career. And I had my children, and that's really when I started to use UCAN. Yes, I was running marathons, and I was trying out new products, but when I found UCAN, I was like, wait a second, this is perfect for my training, but also for my daily living. And then, a little perk, my kids were like much better. <laughs> they, were, they were acting better after we would have my midday shake, but I ended up splitting it for all of us. So um, if you've ever listened to my podcast, you'll hear I love having the chocolate energy with a little almond milk, and it is the best. And I use UCAN during my long runs. And so, yeah, being able to be a marathoner now and to not have to use every single porta potty. I don't even think I have to use porta potties anymore ever since I started UCAN. So it's been a wonderful thing to have for me. And I've been so blessed to be a part of the family. So, yeah. Emily, I know you're new to the UCAN family. Tell us about how you got introduced to it and what you've experienced so far. Yeah, I've been using UCAN since this past fall. And for me, the biggest uh, game changer with it was just how it sat in my stomach. I've always had a really sensitive stomach. Um, my husband's always giving me a hard time about it. Uh, but I, I love having the, I think the protein and energy is my favorite for after a workout because until then I'd never found a protein drink I could stomach after, after a workout. And for me, when I'm traveling so much for workouts and races, it's nice having something on hand like to have right away after. And so that's probably my, one of my favorite products. And then I really like the edge gels as well because um, living in Arizona, sometimes I'll be like driving uh, down from Flax after I do a workout and I notice it's hotter or drier that day. And I'm like, I need some electrolytes, I need something extra. And uh, I can just take an edge gel, it's so easy to pack and you don't need to have water with it to avoid like a cramp. So it's, um, it's really handy. So those are probably my two favorites I use the most. Emma, can you talk about your experience with UCAN? 
Yeah, I always thought that just being a marathon runner, you just have to put up with the gastrointestinal distress. Um, I didn't know that it could be without you to find that. every poor yeah, body. Yeah, exactly. So I've thrown up in all five of my marathons that I've done. I just started using UCAN in December. And I have noticed so much difference. Like, I, I love the product so much. Like, all of the products are so good. Like, I've never had any issue with my, with my stomach. Um, and so I'm like, this is a whole new world for me. And this is amazing. And it's almost like it feels like it's too good to be true, um, especially because they taste so good. Strawberry banana treat. Like, it's, it's like a smoothie, honestly. And I am terrible at drinking while I'm running. But with these little packets, it's so easy to maneuver while you're running as well. And they're a gel, but it's like, it's super liquidy. So it's like you're, you're hydrating yourself at the same time. And I just, again, I, I didn't realize that you could actually look forward to taking energy, um, anything. So um, just really happy with that. And I cannot wait for the World Championships in July to be able to use these officially in my, in my marathon build because I think that'll give me something to look forward to. I usually take them like every 5K. So um, I'll have a little treat every 5K of the race. <laughs> we love it. Meb, I left you for last because you've been a long, long time ambassador and user. Talk about your experience and you know, how you use it in your training now, your daily life. Absolutely. I mean, the face of UCAN is uh, Jonah, the original. Uh, who started because of rare disease that he couldn't sleep and parents had set up an alarm to feed him so glycogen storage and to hear that story and I was introduced to you can drive through Dr. Krista Austin in 2009 and in probably April of 2010 there were 20 people here but now look at the awards over there and over here and the panel here who are endorsing this great product it's a game changer for me and I think since then I you know made two Olympic team, one Boston, and finished fourth at the Olympic Games, and it's been amazing because how I used it was, I used it before the race, but mainly I used it for afterwards. So when I'm cooling down, I'm thinking, how can I recover for the afternoon run or for the next day? And especially in Mammoth Lakes, I would drive 40 miles down south to 4,000 for sea levels or lower elevation training, and I have to go back to Mammoth and then do ice bath or get a massage. So by having that, you can keep a consistent energy for hours. So it was for me that I didn't have to rush to grab something. And it was just awesome to be able to do that. And then and I've been using it ever since. And then I hear it all the time when I'm traveling around the world, you know, you, you can't have changed my game. You know, you can't have done this. And what a warming it is to hear that because, you know, I started when there was no label in <laughs> the packet. So now to be able to see this on Ron's World or people here at the Boston Marathon and, and many other places is just awesome. So if you haven't tried it yet, after Monday, you can try it. Maybe you can have it for Monday after the race because it's a great recovery. And if you haven't, you should definitely try it for the next marathon and spread the word around. Thanks so much. Awesome. We're going to switch to injury prevention and some recovery stuff. How many of you guys have been injured? Mm -hmm. How many of you are dealing with something right now going into the race? Yeah. That was the one thing about the Olympics. I don't know if you guys can talk on this, but it was crazy how many people were like being held together by thread. And then they'd have to go run the Olympic Games. It was just nuts. And that's, you know, like all of us, right? When we're at the peak, we're usually hanging on by a thread. But Tommy, I'm going to turn the attention to you again. Um, you've been talking a lot about the last 10 days have been hard. Your knee has been bugging you, and you're getting ready, and you're fit, and you know mentally you're ready. So how have you been dealing with this knee thing? Talk us through what you've been doing. 
Um, well, I, I was dealing with like type A runner at first. Like I just, I was trying to push it as far as I could and I, I can make it two more weeks, just keep running. Um, but just talking to people and relying on people that have done this before um, that just have to take some time off and just make sure that you're ready and get to the start line healthy. Um, so that's what I've been just trying to pull back a little bit, not be so um, crazy about like the mileage and stuff like that. And a lot of times it's probably like for Strava ego because you want like you want your miles to be up. But um, so I just had to just sit back, take my time and allow myself to heal up and just rely on what I've done so far. I mean, 12, 13 weeks of really solid training um, doesn't just go out the window um, because you have to do a few easy runs and less, you know, workouts. So that's what I'm doing and just trying to get mentally prepared to do battle with my, my knee um, and just let it do its thing and um, try to relax and have fun and enjoy the adrenaline. So I said earlier, like <laughs> an anti-inflammatory, uh, a great crowd um, and, um, and just being in Boston should probably do the trick. Yeah, I love that anti-inflammatory business. Um, Emma and Emily, you both have been pretty vocal about you have had COVID, both of you guys, you're on your Instagram, talking about how you figured out some things post-COVID now. Hopefully, you're going to be back on track. Emily, you had to pull out of the 5K today because you had a more recent case. Now you're in the clear. Um, talk about how you've gotten through those you know, trials and tribulations of being sick while trying to train. Yeah, I had COVID back in December, like right for Christmas. Um, I actually drove all the way out to Austin from Boulder to go visit my family in Texas and just had to turn right around because my I was like, I wasn't feeling well, so I got a, a little COVID test, and sure enough, it was positive, and so I didn't How end up... How long was that drive? Uh, 15 hours, um, so <laughs> 30 hours of driving straight, basically, um, just to, yeah, just wave to my family from the window of the car. <laughs> um, so I got really sick, like, on the way back and just, like, you know, sweating through all my clothes, and I was just like very feverish. So it was about like two weeks of like barely being able to run like seven miles a day. Like I would go out for a run and just be completely depleted. I would have to sleep the rest of the day. And finally I was like, why am I trying to force this? Why am I trying to run through this when I should just take a step back? Obviously my body needs to relax and reset. So it's always when like something like that happens, like some kind of health issue. I've never been injured, seriously, knock on wood. Um, but it's always something like health related that my body's finally like just telling you like, hey, like you need to take a step back. And so I try to listen as much as I can. And I've had some effects like even since December um, with my blood like levels and everything, like I'm deficient in iron right now. And so there's certain things that you just have to like pay attention to and really keep up on, go to your doctor and like just kind of keep up on this stuff when this stuff happens. This is a place of, you know, unknown. It, like, it's so hard to navigate because we have no idea with COVID, but it's just like taking it day by day and being really honest with yourself about how you're feeling and don't try to force it. That's my biggest like thing is just like know yourself and, and, and don't, um, don't press anything before, before you have any answers basically. But I think a lot of people have heard, you know, a lot of coaches or elite athletes say, listen to your body. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Like uh, most of us work and we have kids and we're exhausted all the time. So like it's hard to go for a run. But what does it mean when you guys really say you got to listen to your body? Like are you looking at your times from your workouts? Are you knowing? Yeah, we kind of all snickered when she said seven miles a day, right? That's a lot. <laughs> um, but she's running 130 miles a week, or a week when she's in her top game. So, you know, what does that mean? 
listen to your body? What are you, what kind of parameters are you using? Yeah, for me, I'm just like, being a professional runner, it's, it's, it is my job to know how I'm feeling every day. And we're like fine-tuned machines that like when something's a little bit off, like I really notice it. Um, but I think if you're just working every day, and I mean, I, I was working 50 to 60 hours a week there for a while and running 100-mile weeks. I don't know how I was doing that. But um, just like trying to slow everything down and just like be like, am I tired from working? Am I tired, you know, from friends activities or am I tired from this? And um, once you start to break it down and become more aware of like just, you know, how, how you're feeling, that's like when you can listen to your body. And so I've really gotten into like meditating, which like isn't the normal form of meditation where you like sit cross-legged, you know, crisscross applesauce with your hands in the air and like just like no, nothing going on at all. I go for a run or a walk or something that I enjoy in order to just like completely center myself and to just slow everything down and to make sure that, you know, I'm paying attention to everything that's going on in my body. So I, that's how I do it anyway. I don't know if anybody else does it or could do it that way and it helps, but that's, that's how I navigate it. I love that. Emily, you've been talking a little bit. We talked about your latest struggle mm -hmm. and it's been hard. Yeah, so the one thing Emma said that actually I've been saying to myself a lot is to be honest with yourself. And um, my husband actually got COVID like five or six days before I did. And I actually took training easy for those five or six days in case, in case I caught COVID. Um, and I remember actually within like 48 hours feeling what I thought were allergies. And um, a lot of people were like, oh, it's probably just allergies, it's probably just that. And I'm like, well, I hope that's what it is, but I need to be honest with myself so I'm not pushing my body when like I'm on the verge of getting sick. So um, I tried not to think about what I hoped or what I wanted. I'm just like, let's just look at it how it is. And um, my heart rate's still really low, but uh, I'm definitely not feeling quite 100%. And then sure enough, like three or four days later, I did test positive. But um, I luckily had a very mild case. Um, it really did feel like a head cold for us. And so I was like hoping that meant like coming back to running would be more seamless. <laughs> and, uh, and I have actually had to be more patient than, um, than I thought. And so that again is just being honest with myself and kind of listening. I mean, like you said, listening to your body. Um, certain things feel good and certain things I can tell my heart rate's not spiking with like regular seven mile runs. But um, when I go do a workout, I can tell like, no, this isn't right. My body shouldn't feel this way. Um, I think down, deep down in our guts, we know what, what feels right and what doesn't. And so that's how I'm feeling on workouts right now. So um, I think just being patient and not getting too far ahead of myself, not thinking worst case scenario, not um, like hoping it away either, just kind of like taking it day by day and just like, it is what it is. It's a new like virus. It's so new to all of us and everyone reacts differently. So, um, so yeah, like hope for the best and just like be a bit honest and patient with yourself and give yourself grace. That's what my friend Rachel told me. She's like, when you do your first workouts, just like if you need to shorten them, cut them, just like give yourself some grace. Your body just like went through a lot of that. So, well, I think one of the things about running marathons and any distance actually is that you're trying to find that line between finding your personal best but also staying healthy physically, mentally, spiritually. It's, it's such a fine line sometimes. Um, and so I was you know, interested in hearing some of the strategies that you guys have used to kind of you know, walk that line. Um, I mean, Emma's talked a little bit about that meditation and that sounds like a really cool thing just to check in with yourself. Um, and however you do that. Um, Meb, in your career, you know, you had a lot of struggles with injury as, you know, most runners who are trying to get the best of themselves do. Can you talk about how you tried to stay balanced, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, in all those areas? Yes. 
Emily said, you just got to be honest with yourself. You know, you have a race coming plan, but if you're going to do the best that you can, you're going to get there. But, you know, if you are injured, you got to accept it. And for me, I had two, both my quads have ruptured. Some of them during a race, the Boston Marathon 2010, and the other one, 2005, at the World Helsinki World Championship, where I was trying to set the American record. But it is what it is. You got to accept it. But now, how do you move forward? Half of the solution know the problem, and the other half is kind of how do you solve those problems. So for me to be able to come and do MRI or do the x-rays and figure it out is, and then after that, how do you cross train? We are all runners. We have type A personality. We don't like to interrupt our routines. But, you know, the more, probably the one thing that least rated is recovery. Recovery and taking a day off. I mean... If you can take a day off or a week off, you're not going to miss anything. But it's kind of hard to accept it here. And for me, I just got to say, okay, you have injury with quads. You got New York. It's August 8th. How do you recover in eight weeks? And then how do you train for another eight weeks and hopefully make it to the starting line healthy? And you don't want to come too fast because once you do too fast, you get re-injured and setbacks and you start from scratch again. So you have to make understanding that small progress are going to add up being a big thing and whether it's from you can or therapy and things like that, you have to be able to use it to your advantage. And, you know, it's not easy. It's hard. And, you know, I'm pretty sure you know some friends that probably didn't come to this Monday Boston race or, you know, local races that are like, you know, they're antsy. They're like, oh, I feel I'm missing out. Yeah, I'm missing out. But use it the energy to say, mentally to say, hey, after Monday, the next Boston Marathon is going to be in a year or after that local race is going to be the next one. So you have to be able to accept it and say, hey, I want to be back in a year. And for me, I feel like New York is probably the 2007 trials in November was probably one of my frustrating and hard to overcome because I end up getting eighth place and my good friend Ryan Shea passed away. So mentally, physically, and emotionally, I was done. But it puts life in perspective. He had a cardiac arrest. He was sitting on the bus to the starting line with me. And two hours, three hours later, he was no longer with us. So it kind of puts, oh, the Olympic, I guess, is a big deal, but it's not that big of a deal. Life is more important. So it kind of puts life in perspective. And you don't think things for granted after that. And for me, I said, okay, a year and a half of physical therapy, and you have to make us new goals. I couldn't wait another four, Olympi- four years to get to the Olympics. I said, New York City would be my Olympics. So if we were in the Olympics and... Or whether you were the U.S. or other, uh, other countries, you got target on your back. I'm going to come after you. So you're internally thinking that. I'm, you're not saying I'm going to win New York, but you're saying that's my Olympics. And, and to be able to overcome those injuries and be able for me to run a personal best. You get injured because you're pushing your body to the limit. And you have to step back and say, hey, let it give it, you know, I never have surgeries. So just give it time to break, to recover, and you will come back stronger. And mentally... You have to be there and surround yourself with good people. And then for me, at one point, I was contemplating, contemplating retirement. I really thought about it. But I know internally my God-given talent was not maxed out. So with my wife, Yordanos, we pray about it and support each other. I was on ground. If I want to go to, her, to that wall, the speakers, I would crawl on my knees and elbows and use the wall to step one step at a time. But that's the down. And you get to know who your friends are, who your friends are when you are that low. So, but... Human is protects itself, it heals itself, and you can come back and do great things. And I was great honor to be able to run a PR, you know, after you know going to the New York and to wear that USA jersey and the gold medal that I never had to go to the Olympics. So keep believing in yourself, work hard, and sometimes you might not get your goals immediately, but they do come true.
That's a great point about being patient and consistent and just working the process. Tommy, you talked earlier about how your journey to becoming a runner started with you getting sober and making some nutritional changes, becoming a vegan. Um, do you feel like both of those things have led you to becoming more balanced mentally, spiritually, physically, and getting you to the place where you are today? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, sobriety is, is, is like everything to me because um, I, I, I put that before everything. Um, for family, um, because I don't think without my sobriety I wouldn't be here at all. So that you know, that that's just led me to this point. And in sobriety, you know, you you hear one day at a time a lot. You know, um, I actually have a tattoo on my arm that says one blank at a time, and I use that often, one mile at a time, one one step at a time. And for balance for me, it's one activity at a time. Um, so if I'm running and doing a workout, I'm there. You know, in that mile, in that moment. Uh, and I try my best to, when I'm at work, be, <laughs> be at work and not like thinking about the workouts and the runs. Um, and especially when you're around your family, you try your best to not be, you know, type A runner and like trying to tell people that don't care about like your mile splits that day. <laughs> and I mean, because not only do you need like the balance for yourself to not burn yourself out from always thinking about like this one thing, like Boston, like every day, all day. You don't want to burn your family and your support, your support group out, you know, because um, you need them when those times when you like have to crawl to the wall and you know go up to, you know, stand up and use the wall to stand up. But if you burn through those those relationships by just like being always focused on your one thing, that's super unbalanced, you know. Um, so sobriety like just taught me all of that because you know it. Before that, it, I wasn't. I don't even know what. I don't even think I know what balance was. I still really don't. But I'm just trying, you know, and you like give yourself some grace. like I say that like all the time. You have to give yourself grace because if you don't, we'll just be useless to everybody around us. So try your best every day. or I try my best every day to be better in some way, shape or form than the day before. And sobriety has given me that, that vantage point. I love that. And I think the point that you brought up about being in the moment that's really hard. I don't know about everyone out here, but it's hard to be in the moment. So much of the time we find ourselves thinking about the past and ruminating on things that we can't change or thinking about the future, which we can't really control. We can only control this one moment. And yeah, that's, go for it. One, one thing that like really stood out to me early uh, was someone said, be where your feet are. You know, and so like if it's hard to think like one moment at a time, all that stuff, be exactly like where your feet are, be there. You know, because, I mean, that's when you put your phone down, stop scrolling IG, and you sit with your family and watch the movie, you know? Like, that, like literally be there. And if you can do that, I feel like we'll just be happier, and people around us will, will know where the, the boundaries are, too, so. 100%. Well, we want to leave a little bit of time for a question or two, but I wrote up some rapid fire, so maybe we can go back and forth. But this is, like, my favorite thing to do in life, <laughs> is rapid fire. Nice. So, Angie, you want to go back and forth? And you can call out who you want, okay? Okay. So, Emma, because you've lived here before, lobster roll or clam chowder? Clam chowder. 100%. No. Oh, I don't think a lot of people like that answer. Okay? <laughs> you want to go? Oh, let me see. I just was thinking of one. Um, Emily, cannoli or Boston cream pie? Cannoli. Oh. Cannoli. Oh. <laughs> okay, Meb, Sitco sign or Boylston Street? Boston Street. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy, hot tubs or cold tubs? Oh, hot tubs all day. 
I thought this was gonna be tough. I hate ice. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go with Emily. You can't edge or you can't energy. You can edge. You like that better, okay. Emma, post-race, do you prefer beer or pizza? Oh, beer. Give me all the beer, yes. Okay, Tavi. Porta potties in Hopkinton or porta potties in Copley Square? Where would you rather use one? This is rapid fire, people. It's very important, hard hitting news. Oh, not the end, not at all. Uh, in the beginning. Okay, you want it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, because maybe okay. I'll be able to get there. I mean, that's what we want to know. Like, where do you want to go? At the beginning or the end? He wants to go in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Meb, would you prefer a long run or a hill repeat? Long run. I'm a marathoner. <laughs> okay, Emma, you already did this for us. So I'm going to have Emily say this. And I am true Minnesotan, so I have a really heavy accent if you guys didn't notice. Pock your car in your backyard or wicked smart Pakika. <laughs> in your backyard your did we do it right people boston people no oh jeez okay oh jeez don't you know oh yeah oh yeah do we have any more anyone in the crowd varen has a mic anyone in the crowd have a question for these guys over here so i think the biggest difference between age group running and professional running. Is age group running, you're battling yourself. Professional running, you're battling others. Meb, could you speak to um, the nasal strip in the shoe and battling yourself at New York City? Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a good, tough question. You know, we all humans, we have our strengths, our weaknesses, and for me, like I said, I went with eight months without a shoe sponsor, and when Skechers made the warm-ups and the jacket, they didn't have pockets. What I have in my, my pockets are usually Vaseline, chapstick, and Breathe Right. And guess what? Since I don't have a pocket, where I'm going to put them? I put them my last thing I'm going to touch, my racing flats. So I wore my with some shoes and, and changed to my flats, racing flats. And, I put the Vaseline, I put the chapstick, and then unfortunately, the breathe ride was somewhere. So I just, I was running into the race, about one, you know, you, know, you, do, you do your stride, and you're like, okay, how's this, I choose too tight, or something uncomfortable, you change, but that day I had a live TV interview, everything seems to be okay, and then about a mile and a half, or two miles down the hill, I feel something on my left foot right about here, and I'm like, I went like this, oops. <laughs> the breathe right is not on my nose, it must be it. So I contemplate, I wear CEP compression socks, and I'm like, is it in the shoes or it's just under the socks? I don't know what it is, should I take it off or not take it off? And contemplating, I said, if I take off, they're gonna take off. If I stop to take it off, so I'm like, you know what, just deal with it. And we're going great pace, and then, I, you know, 24, 20 miles, I get challenged. I'm like, should I take this, <laughs> these shoes off and take it out? And I said, no, keep going. And, but the moral of the story is we humans, we make mistakes, but it doesn't matter if the breathe right is here or here. You still run a PR. <laughs> I love that. Got another one? Uh, hi. Uh, so it looks like Monday the weather looked pretty good. Um, 
Yeah, any advice on preparing for a race where it's going to be warm or humid? Like, Emma crushed Chicago and I was struggling to finish. And uh, Emily in the trials last year. So, yeah, any advice I'd take? Yeah, I mean, it's the same for everybody. Um, so just kind of looking around yourself and realizing, like, you're all doing this together. And I don't want to say misery loves company because I want you to enjoy it. But when it was so hot in Chicago, I just looked over at everybody around me and just, like, how everybody was just going after it and just gaining the energy from from everybody around me and people on the sidelines. Like, it was great weather for spectating, I would say. <laughs> so just trying to, like, garner all of that energy and trying to just like bring it into myself and, and center myself in that way. I mean, if it's hot, like you just try to cool yourself off as much as you can. But yeah, it's all about just like taking in all your atmosphere and your environment around you. That's how I do it anyway. And don't second guess yourself because you know how your body runs. Some people do better in hot weather. Some people do better in cold weather. And so you get to a race and you'll see people in beanies and long sleeves and tights and then you'll see people that you know are in shorts and a sports bra and you're thinking we're all running the same race don't second guess your clothing choices because you see someone else is going to wear something different because you know your body the best I think Varen said too oh I'm sorry oh, no, go, sorry. go Emily to that. Yeah. Uh, just make sure you're hydrating really well days in advance don't try to just cram it all in the night before and try to like wake up that morning and drink a lot of water and uh, electrolytes. Do it like just slowly sip on it like for days, like heading into it. And everyone's in the same boat, um, like Emma said. Uh, and just another thing, don't psych yourself out. Like a few years ago, I overheated in a race. And then before the Olympic trials, I wasn't telling myself, oh, you're bad in heat because you overheated once. Cause that's like, you can just tell yourself stories that aren't true. So um, just know everyone's in that boat, do everything you can to repair um, and just hydrating. Yeah, as much as you can beforehand. Did you all see Emily crush the 10K at the Olympic trials in like 110 degrees? And Emma crushed the Chicago Marathon where she was awesome handling the heat. Varun, you said we had a couple more questions. Yeah, we got two over here. Thank you. I was just wondering, I never use UCAN and I have taken out some of the other gels that have caffeine. So I was just wondering uh, your advice, do you supplement your run with caffeine, whether it's caffeine pills or anything else? I like to have a tea every day personally and then I, I save uh, coffee for my hard days and just when long run tempos or uh, intervals. Mm -hmm. I use run gum sometimes, it's just similar to a caffeine pill, it's just in gum form, but similar. Tommy? Uh, sometimes coffee. I don't drink it right before the workout, I mean, because of other issues and things like that, but I, I don't want to have jitters either or, like, you know, um, you know, have your heart racing a little harder than it should be on some runs, so I will start, my, start, start a long run day with some coffee well before the run, though. Yeah. I mostly just drink coffee so I can poop in the morning. <laughs> See? <laughs> Let's just get it out there. <laughs> so porta potties in Hopkinton for you. Yes. Okay. yes. Okay. 100%. One more question, yeah. Yeah, my question is for Thomas Bailey, AKA Tommy Runs. Yeah. Uh, I know him a little bit well, but my question is just, how do you feel right now um, to be in this space, in this moment? I mean, we're at the Boston Marathon. Um, you just started running in 2019 to be here on stage in front of all these people. Um, how do you feel as one of the first people in Detroit to qualify for Boston? Just speak to that, like, how do you feel in this moment? <laughs> And sitting with Meb, how you feel about that? Yeah. Um, those are my friends. Um, there so, are friends now. Yeah. No, I feel I feel I feel blessed. I 
kind of set this goal years, a couple years ago. Um, so it feels surreal to be here, but I can't say I don't believe that I'm here because I mean, we all work really hard to get here. And um, it just, I, I, there's not too many words for it other than just like grateful because, you know, I don't want to like harp on it or whatever, but I mean, there's certain points in people's lives where like you just don't feel like you're gonna, you couldn't imagine being like just here, you know? And to be here and on this side of it, sitting next to Mev and Emily and Emma, um, is just crazy, you know? Like, it's like, like, and so it just, it's, it's a blessing. I feel grateful and um, I'm 100% sure that I'm gonna cry like 15 times on, uh, and just, I'm just, ha just happy, you know, because the cool thing was that my bib number is 2019, and that's when I decided I wanted to try to run Boston. You know, so that's really cool. And I got the bib the other day, and then the lady's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "No, I'm not okay." <laughs> <laughs> but um, but thanks for asking that. Like, it is really it's really dope, and I feel like um, it, it, there's gonna be a bunch of people out there on Monday, and I love the concept that I'm here to uh, also help change the narrative that young young black folks run. Yeah. You know, and we. And we That was one of my questions. You know, we have, we are not only celebrating 50 years for the official race for women, for females to run this race, but we're also celebrating today and all the days hopefully forward of building this sport and having it become more inclusive and an even better sport. And Tommy, you have done such an amazing job by sharing with everyone that this is your mission too, not only to help people get sober, not only to help fathers, not only to help people of color, but to help all of us just celebrate this sport. So if we can maybe leave today just on a positive note from you on how we can keep doing this. You're new to the sport. We all grew up in this sport, but you're new to it and you're changing it and we are so thankful. So maybe can you just leave us with, with your hope for what the sport can become? Um. After sobriety, running changed everything. Like the concept of just going outside day after day or whatever, how many ever times a week you run and being consistent and teaching yourself that you can do things. Like I talk to my daughter all the time and I just want running to be what it was, it is and was for me for as many people as possible. I mean, there's so many communities that just don't necessarily have a chance to slow down long enough to think about, you know, the good things that they've done in their lives that could add up to a great thing in their life, you know? And running really levels that. And it's like, why, like I really started running a little bit ago and I, and I stuck with it and I did a training plan and then all of a sudden I'm here, you know? And if you can take that, pull that out and then say, oh, I can do that maybe for business. I could be an entrepreneur. I could go to school. I, could, I can get healthy. I can do all these different things. So I, I just want running to be what it has been for me and everybody in this room um, for more people that just don't get to see it as often. You know, running is, barrier of entry to running is super low. Like, I mean, you could just go outside barefoot and run if you wanted to. Um, but it's a mental barrier too that like, you know, especially growing up as a, as a you know, black kid, it's like it, you, you run track and that's it, you know, and, and, and you gotta be super fast to do that. But there's no health thing. There's like, you see people running down the street, you kind of make a joke, like what are they, you know, what are they doing? But I just want my community to, to see how important mental health, physical health is. And they go hand in hand. And if you can get out and do it over and over, it will bleed into like every area of your life. And that's what I want people to, to take from it. Um, so if you see 
people out there, I mean, if you see people that are trying to create and do things, just support with a like or a share and all that. Give me a follow. Tommy Runs, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I do appreciate being here. Thank you guys so much for letting, sharing the stage with me. And you are definitely a, a motivation to a lot of us, too. So thank you so much for spending the time to be on my show and all that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much. And go team. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good luck, Tommy. Good luck, Angie. Good luck to you three doing whatever else you got going on. And good luck to all of you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, you can.